I, I actually watched Friday Night Lights. I binged watched it and I was like, Texas might be cool. So I started applying for stations in Texas. I found Amarillo and that's why I sent in an application there of all places. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Broadcast Bulletin. I'm Jim Stanton. And I'm Jacob Brooks. Good to have you along with us. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube and also follow our Instagram so you can follow along on this podcast journey with us. It's at Broadcast Bulletin. And hey, we have a website too, BroadcastBulletin.com. BroadcastBulletinPodcast.com. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. And I want to take them to the wrong site. Thank you, Jacob, for all that. Let's cut to the chase and introduce this evening's guest. Today, joining us from Wilmington, North Carolina, where she just moved, we have Madison Allowell. You will be most familiar with her if you're from Amarillo, Texas, where she spent about six years at KFDA News Channel 10 with the last three years there anchoring the weeknight news. You're watching News Channel 10's News at 10 with Walt Howard, Madison Allowell. Thank you for joining us this evening. My name is Madison Allowell. Thomas Michael Dixon is headed back to court. Dixon's second capital murder trial begins at 9 in the morning in Lubbock. Law enforcement took extra precaution last night after one to three inches of rain quickly accumulated throughout the city. The Amarillo Police Department says the officer involved is Micah Muir. His termination became effective as of 9 tonight. If you would like to help make a wish or volunteer for the organization, visit our website at newschannel10.com. She didn't realize she wanted to be a journalist until she was in high school, originally from Las Vegas. She graduated from the University of Missouri back in 2013. Today, we'll find out exactly when the journalism bug bit her, how she got her first job, what it was like working her way up from reporter to main anchor in a city she had never been in before, and transitioning out of the business. Today, Madison works in healthcare marketing, but we'll recount some of her experiences in broadcasting for our audience today. Madison, welcome to Broadcast Bolton. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. I take it. Is this your first time on a podcast? How do you feel being asked the questions as opposed to asking them yourself? <laughs> yes, this is my first time being on a podcast and being interviewed. So it's a little uh, trippy. I'm used to being on the other side of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get right into it with the first question. So talk about when you knew you wanted to be a journalist and why. I understand that moment for you didn't really come into high school, right? Uh, was there anything else you had considered doing before then? Yeah, um, my passion was originally theater. And so I wanted to be on Broadway, but that was definitely not going to happen because I wasn't very good. <laughs> um, but uh, the skills I learned in theater um I was able to adapt that. I always had a passion for writing as well and storytelling. So I just kind of combined those two passions together. And that's how I landed with broadcast journalism. I thought it was going to be a great opportunity where I could still write and tell stories and um, do what I was passionate about in a career that would actually work out. Um, and luckily, once I got to college and started taking those broadcast journalism classes, I was like, okay, this is going to work out. I actually love doing this. Um, I was definitely nervous because I, I didn't know. There were a lot of people, um, a lot of my classmates were just like diehard journalism people. And that, that wasn't me. Like I didn't grow up watching the news by any means, but I became that I became that person. Um, I 
but just fell in love with it. So I was a little late to the game compared to my other fellow classmates, but um, I was right along with them once we got started. So. All right. So let's talk about the college experience. You graduated from the University of Missouri, also known as Mizzou. Why did you decide on going there specifically? So my family, uh, the past three generations, all went to the University of Missouri. So I kind of always had it in the back of my head that I wanted to go there. And then it just so happened to be that they have one of the best journalism schools in the country. Um, Their program is unique. They call it the Missouri Method because you actually work in a real newsroom um, as part of your college credits. So you have to work at a broadcast station in order to even graduate. And it gives you real life experience. And um, I mean, it was invaluable. It was, it was such a good experience to have. I made a lot of mistakes at KOMU. That's the NBC station um, where we all had to work. And because I made those mistakes there where I had teachers who could help me along the way and, and, and tell me what I was doing wrong and how to do it better. I didn't make those same mistakes when I started at my first job. So it w- it was a great experience. So what was it like working at uh, KMOU? KMOU was fantastic. Um, the executive producers, the news director, the main anchors, they were also Mizzou faculty. And so oh. I just was constantly guided by the best of the best who um, helped me in the classroom and then at the station as well. And so I learned so many things. I mean, we had to turn packages, do live shots, write for the web, uh, so many different things that you do in a real newsroom. It was a real newsroom. So you got that, that real life experience and had superb guidance along the way. How many applications did you send out for your first job and what made you decide on Amarillo, Texas of all places? I don't even know how many applications I sent out. It, it was a lot. Um, and I sent out a lot of applications to cities like big cities that probably didn't even look my way because they saw that I had just graduated. Um, but uh, Amarillo, uh, I, I actually watched Friday Night Lights. I binged watched it and I was like, Texas might be cool. So I started applying for stations in Texas. I found Amarillo and that's why I sent in an application there of all places. Um, And then they gave me a call and in the interview process, they actually hired me right then and there, uh, the first interview. Um, And I was just so ecstatic to have a job offer after sending out so many applications that She's like, all right, I guess I'm going to Amarillo, Texas. Detail your rise to the ranks at News Channel 10. You started as a reporter there, and five years later, you left as the main evening anchor. So just talk about how that came to be. Did you ever MMJ your own stories, or did you ever have a photo talk? I was very lucky. I was one of the few that had a photographer. That does not happen very much these days at all. Um, and so it was a great experience because I always had a teammate when we were out on stories. And I think that really helped me as a storyteller, having someone else there with me working on a story. I mean, it's two brains are better than one. Right. Um, And so I was very lucky and fortunate to have that. I started as a reporter. I was quickly promoted to the evening, the primetime reporter. And so I was expected to have a lead story for the evening newscast every single day. Um, and through my experience with that, um, 
the management took notice of, of what I was, what I was doing for the station and the quality of stories I was putting out there. And, uh, there came a time where they needed a weekend anchor and they asked me to do it. Um, so I became the weekend anchor and producer, which meant I had to find all of the content that we were running on the weekend newscast. And I also had to write everything. So I wrote every single thing that went into that newscast. And then I also was um, required to put that stuff on the web as well. We didn't have a digital team on the weekend at that time when I was the weekend anchor. Um, And so I did that for about six months and was eventually promoted to uh, the primetime, the primetime anchor at News Channel 10. I did that for the, the remainder of my last three years at News Channel 10. So this next question is something that I think a lot of people in this industry who have ever moved somewhere can relate to. How did you go about cultivating and developing new sources in a place you had never been to before? Yeah, it's definitely challenging and a little bit scary when you don't know the community that you're moving to. Um, If you work in news, you can't be scared to make friends with strangers. You have to put yourself out there. And when you go on assignment, you have to make those connections. And so slowly but surely, um, I made friends with the people I was interviewing and they would one story that I was at, they would be like, oh, by the way, this is happening on this day. Maybe you should check this out or you should talk to this person. And so it just had a very natural way of, of kind of developing those connections and those story ideas. It definitely didn't happen overnight by any means, but just being open and talking and being friendly goes a long way as far as meeting people and, and, and learning what's going on in your community. You're not from Amarillo originally, as we've touched on. So did you ever butcher city names on the air and were viewers critical of your mistakes or were they understanding? I did not butcher any city names that I know of, but there are some weird ones. And so people, luckily my, my team made me aware of cities I needed (laughs) to not say incorrectly. Um, but that did happen to some reporters and viewers weren't always so nice at letting them know that they had made a mistake, uh, but we're all human and uh, you just got to laugh it off and then not, not do it again, you know? So what sacrifices did you make as a young journalist working your first job? Were there any family sacrifices that you made to pursue your career, financial? Yeah, I moved away from my family. I didn't know anyone in Amarillo. That was, that was tough. I sacrificed, um, a normal schedule. You know, I worked, uh, until 11 o'clock at night. And so it was very difficult to do things, uh, in, in the evening or meet friends for dinner that most people do. I couldn't because I was always working, um, holidays. What are holidays? I don't even know what holidays are in news. You're at the station. Um, I had several Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners uh, sitting at my desk with my coworkers. Um, it's it's definitely tough, and financially, starting out as a new reporter was incredibly difficult. Um, I when I look back, I really don't know how I paid my bills some weeks because it was it was rough. Um, so there are uh, it's not a great market as far as. Um, you're not going to become rich by being a journalist by any means, unfortunately. 
So you did mention that. So is that why, like in some of these smaller markets, we do see a lot of turnover with the talent? Absolutely. Um, Pay is very low. And uh, the whole thing, uh, they say you got to pay your dues. That's one thing that's said a lot in school. And I I don't love that saying. Um, I don't think it's, I get where it came from, but unfortunately it's, it's kind of hurt the overall journalism industry because you should, when you have a degree, you should be able to, to earn a respectable wage, whether you're in Amarillo, Texas or New York city, you know, um, obviously you're going to make more as you're in the career, but I, it just sad. It's sad how, how different the pay scale can be in these, these smaller towns compared to the bigger cities. So people will, will market hop to bigger, to bigger cities in order to make money. But unfortunately what people are finding these days is even in the bigger cities, it's not that much of an increase. Um, so that's why a lot of people are, are leaving news altogether. So keeping with your time, at Channel 10, discuss what it was like going through an ownership change because you had started under, I believe it was Drury Broadcasting, and then they were bought out by Raycom. And then your final months, you were with Gray. So, did you see any changes in the product or focus every time the ownership changed? Yeah, it did. Um, it did change occasionally. Um, so, one thing when we were first bought by Raycom, um, overtime was eliminated. And so that became tricky because a lot of people relied on overtime to pay their bills. Um, And so all of a sudden people were getting extra, extra money through that. Um, And then as far as the, the, I think when, when we did change ownerships, we were able to get better quality graphics on air. So that, that was helpful because you had the backing of a, of a big company. Um, but it was challenging as far as every time we changed ownership, we changed, um, our editing software as well. So it was like starting all over, trying to figure out, um, figuring out that. And then of course the the websites would change as well. So how we were posting content online. Um, but I think my team, we really strived to put out quality content. And so that, that didn't, that didn't change no matter who owned the company. All right. So most viewers or some might assume that you just come in, have your hair and makeup done as an anchor. You just sit down, read the teleprompter and go home. That is not what it's like at all. So can you walk us through what a typical day was like as a main anchor when you got up, when you came in, what you had to do when you got to work, all of it. Yeah. So we do our own hair and makeup. I always enjoyed the viewers comments that would email in occasionally. Um, criticizing hair or makeup or the wardrobe of a reporter and saying that we need to get a new hair and makeup person. (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) we'll get right on that. Um, But uh, no, it was, it was much more than just reading a teleprompter. Um, We'd have an assignment meeting to figure out what reporters are covering that day. Um, we, We would, meet with the producers to figure out the content that we were going to be covering in our various shows. And then I was tasked with checking every script, every graphic that aired during our newscasts. And that was incredibly time consuming because we were considered a starter market in Amarillo. And so 
it was, um, you know, we had fresh reporters, people still learning, still um, making mistakes. And so I was kind of the catch-all person to, to stop those mistakes and fix them before they actually made air. And so it was um, slightly stressful some days, um, you know, stories weren't always accurate that were written or they had grammar issues. And I just would freak out thinking, um, if I hadn't seen that, what would have gone over here that day, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's a lot of pressure for, for one, one person to have, um, some days, but that was my job. <laughs> Did you run your own prompter? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, didn't always have a prompter person. So we had a foot pedal is what it was <laughs> that you'd have to press down and heaven forbid you press down too hard and scroll past the script you were supposed to read. That was always fun. <laughs> so always have a spare script in front of you. Just it's good, uh, good advice. If you're wanting to anchor, always have a backup plan. If the prompter fails, you don't want to be sitting there with nothing to read. <laughs> All right. So looking at your professional Facebook, I noticed that pictures of you and Walt Howard are all over it. So talk about what it was like working with him. I understand he's a legend in Amarillo. He is a legend. Walt Howard is the absolute best person I've ever met. Um, He's a wonderful man, a wonderful journalist. He had 40 years of experience. And so every day that I worked with him, I would learn new things. And he made me a better journalist. He made me want to be better every single day, um, whether it was anchoring or reporting or improving my writing. Um, he just was always challenging me and I appreciated that so much. He was just a wealth of knowledge and information. And the fact that I got to sit beside him for three years and anchor next to him was, uh, I'm just forever grateful for that experience. I think the one thing when I left news, the thing that broke my heart the most was not being able to work with him every night. That was definitely one of the hardest things uh, to say goodbye to that. Y'all still keep in touch? We do. Not as much um, as I would like, but, but we do. What was the best piece of advice he gave you? He always encouraged me to make it, about, make it a people story. And that was something that I learned in school as well. But he always drove that home at News Channel 10 to never lose sight of why we do what we do. Our job is to help people. And so people should be at the face and forefront of of every story um, to tell stories that matter and that make an impact. And so he was very good about just always encouraging us and all the other reporters to, to never lose sight of that. Right. So being a young woman who quickly became the main anchor in a few short years in a few short years out of school, did anyone ever tell you you were too young to be the weeknight anchor? Did you struggle to gain acceptance from viewers or were they rather receptive to you? Everyone was was pretty receptive. I think um, if anything, maybe a few coworkers didn't really understand at first why I was put in that position. Um, but I think I proved myself, you know, I, I I worked very hard and I wanted, I wanted to, to be the the best I could be and and to represent the station well, and to be someone who could be a mentor to reporters and producers. And I really strove uh, to be that person in the newsroom. And I, and I hope that, that people did see me as that. 
being a woman in the business, did you ever face any challenges that your male counterparts like Walt did not? You know, our, our management was all male while I was there. And I never had necessarily issues, but I do wish that there had been a female perspective in upper management. Um, I think all companies should have that. And it's still rare to have, to have women in higher positions like that. Um, there is an assistant news director now though, um, at, at my station who is a woman and I'm very proud of her. She started, um, as, um, a producer or actually she was a video editor and worked her way up and now she's the assistant director there. So it's, it's, um, it's really good to see her in that, in that position and in that role and that she can uh, bring a different perspective to the team. Okay. So talk about uh, developing your news voice or your anchor voice. Were you ever advised against it? And when you left the business, did you have a hard time shaking it off? <laughs> um, I, Oh gosh, I get people definitely say that I have an anchor voice. Um, I didn't mean to, it just, I guess it just happened over time. Like you try and you have, uh, you know, dictate and, and enunciate. Um, I had a very high pitched voice on it. So it's funny. Walt, one thing Walt told me when I first started anchoring, apparently my voice was really high. And so like I had, whereas like some people lower their voice when they're anchoring, I did the opposite. And he was like, that's not your voice. Why is your voice so high <laughs> when, you, when you're anchoring? And I didn't even notice it until he pointed it out to me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know why that was happening. Um, and so I tried to talk as, as natural as possible on air. Um, but yeah, there, you, you are just more professional, you know, you're speaking, you're enunciating, um, so yeah, it, I guess it does sound, but I never tried to alter my voice to sound like it wasn't me. Just a more professional version of me, I guess. <laughs> what would you say was your most uh, memorable story you covered at KFDA? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, I was introduced to two little boys who unfortunately lost their mother at a very young age. Uh, to a car wreck. She wasn't wearing seatbelts. And so they, they were like five and seven. If that, they might've been younger at that point. Um, but they created a sticker campaign to put on the back of cars that said, please buckle up. You have loved ones. And they got the sheriff's department involved, the fire department, police department, and eventually TxDOT took notice and invited them to, to be the voice of their click it or ticket campaign in Austin, Texas. Um, so it was just very, I followed their story from the very beginning and it was very cool to watch them and see such a tragic thing that happened to them, what they tried to turn it into to help other people. Um, so that's a story that'll stick with me forever. Um, just very inspiring. All right. So did you get a clothing allowance at your station? I did for one year and then I never got it again. <laughs> I think I got a thousand dollars. That was, that was it. And then the rest, you guys, I have like 30 blazers in my closet still. <laughs> it's, I don't even want to know how much I spent on clothes being an anchor or a reporter is very expensive. <laughs> so did you ever experience hostility 
yourself as a journalist in this climate of fake news and journalists being the enemy of the people, as some would say? And also, what is your message to those who feel this way about local journalism and local journalists that they are the enemy of the people? Yeah, so I got out of news before all, I mean, obviously the fake news thing had kind of started right towards the end um, before I left, Um, but it wasn't as widespread as obviously what happened when COVID hit and the presidential election, things got very bad for reporters. Um, And it makes me sad because local news is an essential form of journalism and the reporters and producers who work in local news are, they work their tails off to do a good job and to tell stories that matter and are important and make a difference in the communities that they work in. And so the next time people say fake news because they don't like the story, um, I would just really encourage them to, to maybe actually read it and educate themselves and realize that the reporter, even though it might be a story they don't like the content of, that reporter isn't trying to push a certain message. They're just telling you the facts. And if you don't like the facts, sorry, (laughs) it is what it is. But that's our goal as journalists is to tell the truth. You've been out of the industry for two years now, making the shift over to PR. Uh, you did say on Facebook that you left in order to return to Las Vegas and be closer to your family. Uh, you certainly could have pursued TV jobs there. So what made you decide to go in a different direction? I had considered continuing to apply for jobs in Las Vegas. And then I got home and started working, uh, doing some marketing for my parents' company. And I did not realize how stressed out and unhappy I was until I started that new job. And all of a sudden, because I had no idea when it's six years of just a constant, you're just like, oh, that's the norm. That's what I should be feeling, you know? And then I came home and realized it was like a breath of fresh air leaving news. Um, And don't get me wrong. It wasn't just, it wasn't easy. I mean, my whole identity was, was being a, a, an anchor and a journalist and a reporter. And all of a sudden I wasn't anymore. Um, It didn't matter if I posted on my professional Facebook page. It didn't matter if I was getting likes or shares or whatever. I was just a normal person. Um, And so that was kind of not necessarily, I didn't, it was nice. Don't get me wrong, but it was definitely, um, you know, I had to redefine who, who is Madison if she's not working in news. Um, And then once I realized like that didn't define me, I was just so much so much happier. And I was, I was in a, in a job where I could meet friends for dinner and I had holidays off and I was with my family and it was just a very nice change. And there were a couple of times where I considered, Oh, maybe I'll get back into news. And then I would have severe anxiety, even just considering applying. Cause I would still get alerts when certain positions popped up. Um, and applying for those positions gave me anxiety. And I was like, okay, that's not, that's not a good sign. Um, so I am happy with my decision to leave. I'll forever be thankful for the experience and the people I met and being a part of the news world and the people who are still doing it have my utmost respect because I know how difficult of a job and a career it is. And, um, 
I just wish everyone the best because they're, they're fighting the good fight and I'm sorry, but I'm not alongside them anymore. Um, but I had to do that, you know, for my own mental health and sanity. So do you watch local news at all? Having been out of the business for two years and what should the industry do to attract viewers such as yourself back to making it appointment viewing? Um, I'm the worst person to watch local news because I am so critical. <laughs> um, you know, judging grammar and, and that sort of thing. It's very not nice of me to do, but I think once you've been in the news and been on the other side of it, it's hard not to have a different lens watching the news. Yeah. Um, oh, I would have done that story better, or I would have done this differently. You know, it's just, I'm not a great person to watch the news with. But yes, I will occasionally catch it while I'm at the gym. Um, I don't have cable, so I don't watch it religiously. Um, I do have all the local news apps, though, to stay connected that way. And I think going forward, everything is going to have to be online or streamable. I think that's because so many people are cutting cable uh, in general. Um, So I, I really think it's only I don't. That most stations are already adapting and, and changing um, as far as like having apps and streaming services and, and that sort of thing. And that's just going to have to continue because people aren't going to be watching the news. It's just, they're still going to need, there's always going to need to be local news, but they're going to have to adapt on how they push that out and, and get to the viewers. It's going to look differently. So, what brought you to Wilmington, North Carolina? the beach. <laughs> um, no, I traveled here with my, one of my best friends. I helped her move here and then visited a few times and realized I loved it. And there's something magical about the beach here in Wilmington and, um, just took a leap of faith and I moved out here myself. I didn't even have a job yet. I was like, you know what, I'll figure it out when I get here. And luckily it all worked out. Um, I was here a month and then I, um, landed a job with Liberty Healthcare Management, uh, doing social media and PR work for them. And it's been really fun. I've been able to shoot video interviews for the company. So um, I've kind of felt like a reporter again, in some ways, just um, just different. It's, um, I don't have a, a deadline as far as, you know, meeting a nightly newscast, but I still get to tell stories. So that's been fun. Do you still have viewers reaching out to you from Amarillo to this day? Do you have a message to share with any of them who might come across this interview? Oh, yeah, I do have people who uh, have followed me on Instagram and they still respond to a lot of the things I post, which is very kind that they still care about little old me um, when I'm not on their TV. Um, so it's, it is always nice to, to hear from them. And uh the viewers in Amarillo were terrific. They were all so nice all the time. Anytime I'd run into them out at the grocery store, um, they were just friendly. And um, I do, I do, I do miss that and, and being a part of that community. So if ever anyone watches this, hello, I miss you. I miss Amarillo. You guys are wonderful. What was it like running into viewers at the grocery store? Um, occasionally embarrassing because <laughs> I remember one time I had just come from the gym. So I looked not, not great. And, uh, someone came up to me. He's like, I'd recognize you anywhere. You can't hide with that bun, your hair in a bun like that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, I wasn't trying to hide, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. I can kind of understand. The embarrassment. Yeah. 
so do you have any advice for those wanting to enter the industry, such as Jacob, or how about someone that's burnt out and wants to make that shift over to PR? Yeah, so if you're burnt out, um, I definitely recommend at least attempting PR. The thing is, you can always go back to news. There will always be jobs, especially now there are more jobs than ever uh, working in broadcast news because there is kind of a, a mass exodus going on. And that being said, if you're starting out in this industry, I would encourage you to fight for your worth because employees are, employers are struggling now more than ever to fill those positions. And so Whereas before there were so many applicants and you were like, when I got hired, I felt lucky to even have a job that people applying for jobs aren't in that position right now. You kind of, you're the lucky one. The company is the lucky one that you're even interested in that job. So I would encourage you to fight for your worth and ask for, ask for more money, um, earn a livable wage. Um, companies have that money. It's, it's somewhere. Um, but that being said, if you have a potential employer, tell them why they would be lucky to have you have, have those, have that in the back of your mind, knowing, um, sell yourself, you know, and, and Hey, I, you need me because this, this, and this, and you should, I should earn this because of this and this and this. And so if you can tell a, an employer that, and, that's what I would recommend. Uh, when you were in Amarillo, did you ever get to try the place with the 72-ounce steak, the Big Texan? Oh, uh, several times. I never competed in the competition, but yes, I did eat there. And they actually provided us Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner every single year. So that was super cool to be mm -hmm. able to enjoy a nice meal from, from the Big Texan. What are some restaurants uh, someone must try if they're in Amarillo? Hands down, Sharky's Burrito. You have to go. They have this thing called Spicy Ranch, and you have to get it on your burrito, and it's a life changer. Every time I've had to drive through Amarillo, I make sure that I stop and get me a burrito to go. So you would say it's better than like a Chipotle or anything like that? Oh, yeah. It doesn't even come close. All right, 10 questions. What is your favorite color? Red. Where were you born? Kansas City, Missouri. And how many siblings do you have? I have two, a brother and a sister, both younger. What hobbies do you have in your spare time? Um, I love going to the beach now that it's super close. Um, I started running again, which isn't, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it's, <laughs> it's something I've done. Um, but I love listening to music and, and reading a book. Um, so that's been nice. Do you have any pets? I do. I have, um, he's not in this room. I was looking around. Uh, his name is Duncan and I've had him for the last eight years. He was, he's been my buddy. Favorite TV show that you were not on? Game of Thrones. What's your favorite type of music? Country. Favorite movie? You know, I'm a sucker for rom-coms. So really any rom-com, that's my, that's my favorite. Favorite book? Harry Potter. <laughs> Uh, what's one thing most people would be surprised to learn about you? I guess I am kind of a nerdy person. Some people may not know that, but I've got a lot of nerdy qualities about me. <laughs> <laughs> My friends know that, though. Give one example. Um, the fact that I'm currently rereading Harry Potter for like the 10th time. <laughs> <laughs>
question, where can our listeners connect with you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Madison Allowell. Um, and if you ever have any questions, I'm there. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, thank you again for listening to this episode. We're on social media again. Please follow us. We're on Instagram at Broadcast Bulletin. Our website's broadcastbulletinpodcast.com. Uh, so again, Instagram is Broadcast Bulletin and website is broadcastbulletinpodcast.com. Uh, we'll post all our episodes there. We're on all your podcast sites and on YouTube as well. So the video component is there if you want to see our faces that's there for you so thank you for listening thank you for your support in this new endeavor that jacob and i have put together and we'll see you next time for another episode of broadcast bulletin the views and opinions expressed by the guests in this episode of broadcast bulletin are solely theirs they do not reflect those of their past or present employers nor those of broadcast bulletin or its hosts in any way So you're the oldest child. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? Uh, it's great. You know, I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs>